Matt. This is Jeannie. This is Mutual Victory. Episode two. Episode two. I have a question. Already. Do you have the yips? <laughs> I don't have the yips as much as I did when we were doing episode one. No. Um. Now mm. I just get giggly because I think about the... Is it the shanks? No, it's not the shanks. Shit, what is it? You do have the yips. I asked a simple question. You're just like, oh man. Okay. It's the other kind of golf performance anxiety scenario. Yeah, shanks. It is shanks. Right. Okay. Well, shanks and yips are slightly different things. Like, the shanks is when no matter what you do, no matter how your swing feels, and no matter what you think your swing looks like, the ball almost takes a 90-degree right-hand turn and, like, does not travel anywhere straight. It's just, like, 90 degrees to the right, and that's where it goes. And that's a shank. That's a shank. You've shanked the ball. You've shanked the ball, yes. And yips, yips. are more universal because they're not just, like, sports ball. But yeah, typically you right. talk about them in the context of sports. Because the yips refers to when you can't perform a very easy, easy, almost mundane task. So like, yeah, this you could this is in reference to sports. Like if the catcher, once he gets the ball, can't throw it back to the pitcher. Which I've seen. I've witnessed that with my two eyes. <laughs> it is so it's a thing. This is a real it's like mental freezing. Yeah, it's like freezing so like under stage pressure. Fright. Yes. If you were to equate it to high school drama club, and you like get out on the stage to do your thing, and all the lines disappear from your brain, and you just like stand there. Yes, that's what I would say. Okay. Um, except even like that seems like that would be about or during a performance. Where like I guess it's the same thing because this would happen during a sport, a game like a right. sporting, but this isn't wouldn't even be like what are your lines? This is something like I don't know. It just it's, it seems even more mundane and routine than like forgetting your lines on opening night. Hmm. That seems like stage fright. The yips is even like a greater failure. <laughs> a greater failure because it's like if I tried to hand you this pencil right. across the table, you don't and have to I, think about and it, and I dropped it. Mm-hmm. I'm like that's weird. If I tried it again and dropped it again, and I just, for some reason, could not do it. Couldn't then, not. Then you could say, what do you have, the yips or something? Okay. Like, maybe. But so I mean, it's more of like something that you know how to do so in your brain that it could have the potential of being like almost mindless to yes. to do it and show up and perform it or right. do it. Yep. But it's not mindless and you can't. So you're like, Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I don't know if this could be the yips though. Then because this isn't a, this isn't something that's like comfortable yet at this point. Like I right. could get the yips if we've been doing this podcast for like a year and then all of a sudden we turn it on and I'm like, oh, that's a good, uh-huh. that's a good analogy. Yeah, that would be more like the yips. So okay. So I guess you don't have the yips. Good for you. You're doing great. <laughs> I'm doing great. But anyway, uh, let me the story about this catcher that got the yips. I was playing American Legion baseball. Uh huh. And he was on our team. And it was during a game, and he, for like want like threw the ball back to the pitcher, and he like overthrew it, you know, threw it over the pitcher's head. The shortstop had to get it, and 
I don't remember exactly, but what I can imagine is everyone's like, God, come on, Greg, just get it back to him. And then like, that's what it like in his head. He was like, yeah, why'd I do that? That was a mistake. And then, then he did the thing you should not do if you have the yips is you thought about it. Right. He's like, okay, don't mess up next time. And since he's the catcher and he almost always has the ball after a pitch, he had to throw back again and he totally missed. And this time, like he underthrew him, like he, he sure, you know, threw it short of him. You know, it happened like it went on and on. And it was like, it was hard to watch because it's like, oh my God, Greg, what is your problem? What are you doing? Just throw it back. And you can even see he would get the ball. He would pause and like say, okay. And then like take a very deliberate step towards the pitcher, try to throw it properly, miss. It was awful. And then sometimes he would like just even stay on his knees after he caught it and just try to like throw it like a dart, which is like, okay, if I just kind of aim it this way and it didn't work, it was so bad. It was, it was so remarkable. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, poor Greg. Poor Greg. So grateful for my uncle who definitely attempted to teach me things that like dads would teach mm. or, um, you know, he brought in that like very uh, athletic energy. You know, he taught me how to dive off of a diving board. He taught me various gymnastics tricks, which, you know, I could like pull it together and do those sort of things. He taught me how to ride a bike, but this poor man trying to get me to catch a ball or hit a golf ball in the front yard of my grandma. Like it just wasn't happening. If you have no desire to hit a golf ball, it's just not going to be a thing. Well, I had a desire to have somebody hang out with me, Hmm. you know? Okay. So I definitely wanted to do well because it was like I was getting one-on-one attention uh, and and getting to do this thing that other people seemed to think was fun. And I can usually even navigate that space of like, I don't understand why we're doing this, but I understand that you love it. So sure. Um, yeah, but that only goes so far. That's a hard thing to, that's a hard thing to bring to the golf course of all activities. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, cause that is just an extra level of like, I've seen people who really want to do well and try and like it, like fail and not mm. do well. So like if you don't even care, I don't know, maybe not caring is the ticket and is the secret where you're like, I don't really care. So I'm just going to smack this and it definitely all seems pressure's to off. be the, the ticket for me and bowling mm. as a child. Bowling, I feel is more accessible, but not golfing, no. not in any stage of my life where I ever yes. attempted to do that. It yeah. was always a disaster that made everyone around me angry. <laughs> we we haven't had that experience together yet no. maybe this year uh we'll go golfing together yeah sure well we'd have to hit the range first okay because it's one of the also another one of those things where like you can have zero skill in bowling and and do something and, or nothing and if you do nothing then like the game moves that's on. your turn and the game moves right if uh-huh. you do nothing in golf you don't go anywhere People could be behind you. Yeah. For me, it's like I would. I don't want to do bad because I feel bad holding people up behind me. So I'm like, all right, don't shank this. Don't hit it in the rough. Don't miss. You're just gonna. There's a line of people behind you waiting to do this. Yeah, just but don't that's hold just it like up. driving in New York City. You just like let them go in front of you. You're like, right? You can yeah, go. yeah, yeah. You let them play through. Yeah, you can go. Right. I'm gonna 
still anyway, not but, be hitting this ball. Right. But with bowling, you can throw yeah. 20 gutter balls and you don't hinder anyone's progress. I just love that it gives me this like inside scoop or different perspective, probably is a better way to put it, to things that are in that de- general genre of sports. Because like sports movies, I would avoid as a younger person because I was like, what am I, what is going to be in this movie for me? You know, like when you're, when you're an adolescent and if something isn't your jam, Mm. you know, you're just like, I don't care about it at all. And you can't really extract the parts of it that might be in it for you or the fact that like, it's a freaking movie. So there's still going to be like human dynamic and relationship. Um, And then like, well, I would say that Bull Durham, uh, Field of Dreams, which I did mm. watch. I had seen that. Right. But Bull Durham and Field of Dreams were like, you know, are like sports movies I would watch over and over right. and over and over And those over are again. two pretty different baseball movies right. for me. I think they're like, they're both baseball movies, but they're very different. Yeah. Like Bull Durham is a lot more about like, I hate to say the word baseball culture, but like being on the team, like anything, all the ins and outs and subtleties you would pick up playing up for a lifetime, you would notice like the the slang, the terms, mm-hmm. you know, things the players or coaches say, you would pick up and see if you played baseball your entire youth. But if you didn't play baseball, you wouldn't notice them, but that wouldn't take away any enjoyment of the movie. You wouldn't not know what's going on because, you know, if someone said, okay, let's turn two, and you're like, I don't know what that means, you wouldn't need to to follow the movie. Right. But if you know what that means, you're like, oh, that's a, this is, this movie was written by someone who has played because of the language and terms they're using. Well, not just that, but like the whole other aspect of the movie where Susan Sarandon's character is, you know, she's like this very strong, very um, empowered female character. And, you know, she wants to talk about things like energy and chakras and being in alignment. And And all those things, when I first saw the movie at a very young age, uh flew over my head. You were like didn't know what they're talking about right it was like probably for me and anything that was actually going on with the baseball part i was like let's watch this for the romance (laughs) (laughs) it's a greedy kind of romance in that movie so we come together and we watch this movie and you know uh we definitely came into it with different lenses and then we get to appreciate you know the other side right like i went in watching that movie because baseball Mm -hmm. and i went back to watching it because of susan sarandon oh boy (laughs) i know okay well and i mean truth be told you got me to watch tin cup because did kevin costner right you know he's always going to be swoony really because of robin hood but Mm, wow yeah i mean see he's swoony for me for tin cup (laughs) I, i see him in that his character is so like grubby in Tin Cup, though. He's a little grubby. He's very grubby. He's yeah. got stains on his undershirt and yeah. lives in a Winnebago. Yeah, I mean, he was like... He's like a hippie golfer. Not even a hippie. <laughs> he doesn't have the, the the correct political ideology to be or called a hippie. Or the free-spiritedness. No, it was intense. pure laziness. It was not really any desire to like... I don't know, be outside the system or counterculture is more just like... Did we look up Enneagram types? 
in no. either Tin Cup or Bolderon? I don't think we looked them up, but it we came were up in conversation while we were watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Excellent segue again. You really? are nailing segues. I'm I'm actually really good at segues, and I don't even remember what we were supposed to be talking about next. Movies. Oh, sweet. Like we we thought like because I know we ended the last episode. First I of just... all, hold on one thing. <laughs> if anyone is listening to episode two that listened to episode one, I want to say thank you. Oh yeah, and welcome thank back. You you came back to you listen back. to us. You came back after our first pancake. First pancake. Which, if anyone has ever eaten pancakes or had children, here's the yeah. story. And this comes from my mother. So being the oldest, you know, she said, your first kid is always the first pancake. You know, it is not the perfect shape. <laughs> so one side might be burnt. One side might be a little underdone. Mm-hmm. But you still love that pancake. <laughs> you have the best intentions right. with the first pancake. You actually pay the closest amount of attention to what you're putting in that recipe mixing things the temperature Mm. all of that and it's almost like the overthinking that goes into that first pancake Mm, Mm. it's not so great the griddle wasn't quite ready yeah but you were so excited about it that you like and then the more pancakes you make the better they get maybe they're both they're cooked the next one is a little more cooked evenly has a better shape first pancake first pancake we're both first pancakes. We are both first pancakes. Yeah. 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 So we have that awareness that um <laughs> things could have been the first shot is not always the best <laughs> shot. It's could have been thought through a little differently. It's great though, because the first pancake analogy helps me in life. I mean, so many of the things that your mother does and says is helpful. Um, and so I just have to say that you know, officially on air that I don't know how it's possible that I hit the mother-in-law <laughs> jackpot and I hit the mother-in-law jackpot. Like if I, I don't, I can't even imagine that if I had conjured my, you know, greatest wish in a mother-in-law that it would have been as perfect as, as your mother is as a mother-in-law and mm. you know, the wisdom of the first pancake, I hear it when you know, I do a new teaching program, mm. when I start a new job, right. when I try to do something any time for the first time. I'm like, this is just the first pancake. I think I thought that when I started teaching and I would teach something new the first time, I was like, oh, first pancake. First pancake. Or even like during the school day, because I would teach the same thing at least twice. Mm. So, you know, you teach it the first time and yeah. it's the first pancake. And like by the second class, you're like, oh, I've figured out the adjustments to make and it was way better. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with that first pancake. It was fine. It was fine. <clears throat> and, you know, we get to reflect and do some things a little differently or shift. So thanks for making it through our first pancake yeah. and, and showing up. Let's see how pancake number two goes. It's a little rounder. <laughs> but movies, your segue, like last time, your segues were seamless. It's so fascinating. I've heard this from people before about my segues or, you know, what it is, it's when um tangents happen like mm. in the field of teaching whether it's you know someone else that you're that you're working with teaching with or a student will go off topic because that happens you know yep. a tangent pops up and mm-hmm. conversations roll i'm good at the segue back to exactly what the topic was oh, originally see, 
I didn't even try to make it a seamless transition. You were like, like back to the topic. Full stop. Full stop. Redirect. Let's go. <laughs> wouldn't even try to. I'm like, and on that note, let's talk about movies. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of bad because I pointed out. I'm like, that's a great segue. <laughs> we're going this direction now. <laughs> Not even to be like, hey, why don't you calmly and coolly just follow this train of thought to the next topic instead of being the guy that's like, oh, oh, that's oh, the next thing. You did it. Well, that's great because uh, I forgot that that was what we were talking about. And I'm trusting you because you have the notebook and the computer open in front of you. There's nothing written on this. A lot of official. This notebook is making sure the table doesn't get a ring from my beer. That's on it right now. Is today the day that we dive into the movie topic at hand in our household? You're making confused face. Yeah. Well, so I think it was before... I think it was before the holidays. Yeah. We went and saw a musical. Okay. Yeah. And musicals have been kind of a thing since then. Since then. Getting old ones from the library, finding ones streaming, blah, blah, blah. And kind of testing this theory, at least in my brain, doing some data collecting around your musical preference yeah. because i'll watch any musical anytime i love musicals i wish that life was like that i know it sounds horrible <laughs> and exhausting <laughs> and i don't have the time so uh, much singing so much singing i love it i do i like musicals i don't eh, you're right you're <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the face was like mm, mm. Um, pause okay you like so, musicals so let me say i in in my head say I like musicals, period. But and there are or and there are definitely some I prefer over others. And I didn't quite, I guess, notice. But you seem to be taking excellent wife notes. I am taking <laughs> so many wife notes. Okay, so then go ahead and say, then give me your data, give me your observations. Well, okay, so we have to back it up a little bit because there's some musicals that. I can just simply mention them in the house, and Matt is like, immediately no. Immediately <laughs> not Hard happening. pass, probably. Do you want to guess what those are? No. I Maybe Les Mis? <gasps> okay, is, so that is, that is heartbreaking because we went and saw that together in the theater. Well, you know what was heartbreaking? That movie. Oh, my God. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Across the Universe. Ugh. <laughs> Correct. Uh, Moulin Rouge. No. Really? I don't hate that movie. No. Yeah. Hmm. We've never watched that movie, have we? You have said no every time I've suggested watching that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, I'm adding this one back to the list then. man. I just made an admission. I should should have kept that one. I really thought that you were just like an immediate full no. No. I like Ewan McGregor in that movie. Okay. His... He and Nicole Kidman are great. I like it. I'm entertained. Okay. So I That's would watch good, that again. Because it was it was going to be an anomaly that I couldn't quite figure out what uh, it is. Okay. Except for the fact that it's weird. You like know why? The Baz Luhrmann yep. aspect of like modern music set in an old timey time, and then you know they're like, I mean they're singing Roxanne, and it's right the turn of the century Paris. Right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that upset with that anachronism like i know in, okay. in i think the opening number at one point they even like say like here we are now entertain us like yes. they're singing teens yes. n- you know smells like teen spirit i'm fine with that 
Okay. I don't care. That doesn't bother me. All right. Because that was my hypothesis uh-huh. around why, like uh-huh. the historical inaccuracy. You couldn't get over that part. Mm. Like, you know, they're very clearly yeah. going like full on pop music, which wouldn't have happened during that time period. Oh, you mean the musical numbers <laughs> in that time period would have been way more contemporary? They would have been mostly Can Can, I think. Uh. You know, given that it was Moulin Rouge. No, that's fine. Okay, I, okay. I would totally watch Moulin Rouge again. You definitely do a little bit of eye rolling around Chicago. Yeah. And my and I actually don't think that this goes into the data collection category. It more so goes into the fact that there were times where our children were obsessed with that musical. Right. Yeah. So it was like nonstop. They wanted to watch, which was also true about Across the Universe. So, you know. There, um, I think well, there's like a couple things that set you off about we, that musical. We tried to watch Chicago, and I remember is that the one with like Renee Zellweger, yeah, and Richard Gere, yes. Now, I remember trying to watch that, and it just seemed like there were a lot of songs, yes, yeah, like there's an opening number, and then a lot of mu- these movies, it's like there's some scenes to connect, like to establish what the plot is, who these people are, and like what the story is. That just seemed like one song after another after another. And I thought that seemed like a lot. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot for me. But Right, because that's one of the conditions on the list of musicals that Matt... <laughs> these songs need to be tight. Appreciates. Like, there has to be an appropriate balance of music to actual spoken dialogue. And that's why that's where Les Mis falls off. You know, like it gets, it totally hits the category of historical significance. You right. know, like you're, you would be totally on board with the setting, 100%. the story even. Yep. The fact that it is nonstop singing, you're just like, I cannot. Can't do it. But is the play like that? Because like the Broadway show, I've seen it. I saw Les Mis a very long time ago. And I remember I remember one thing was that it had the spinning stage. Yeah. Yeah. But also, was any of the scenes that weren't singing, like between characters, like weren't like, they weren't numbers, like musical songs. Right. Did they exchange dialogue through song? I think they did. I, I don't know. I think that they did. And again, is it different if you're watching it on a stage live and, you yes. know, than a movie of just like incessant sing song? 100%. Right. Because in that, in that seat in the theater... I'm like, I'm here to see a Broadway show. Right. So like, and these are performers and they're, everything they're doing is amazing. This 100%. is great. The movie, I, I it, oh my God, I was so disappointed. I had such high hopes because Well, it was funny remember, too because I would, your whole, I would sense your whole body tensing up like every time Russell Crowe was about to talk because he wasn't about to talk. He was about to sing talk. You had just had it. You were like, it wasn't even that far into watching. And I was like, oh, he's so sick of Russell Crowe right now. Yeah, he was not. I mean, I think, you know, as the movie has aged, he's generally thought of as like the least strong yeah. of the performers. That movie started off really strong because of this like huge ship crane shot, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, maybe it was just all digital. Like, you know, the, the camera swoops down while they're, pulling the big yeah. ship i'm like oh okay like this is why i like musicals that are made into movies because are so you can cool. you can like use the like film techniques and camera angles mm-hmm. in the way that you can't if you see a show live totally. like sweet this is awesome yep and then very quickly the first number well no the look down awesome. number was good right the first song yeah 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 it was great it's 
It's when it starts to get like when it slows down a little bit and there's the dynamic between adult Cosette and I don't even remember the Eddie character. Redmayne? Eddie Redmayne's character. character. Marius. There Marius. we go. Uh, when they're, you know, when they start like singing, mm. talking, falling in love, it's just like mm. what? Screeching halt. If you're... So condition one mm. is the music, musical numbers to actual dialogue ratio mm. in the movie. There needs to be one. Has to be. <laughs> well, no, because there's other musicals like Chicago where there there is some more just like talking in scenes and still there's way more singing than there is talking. So that goes over your threshold. Yep. Category two, mm. <clears throat> time period that it's set in. Okay. It cannot take place under any circumstances in present day. Absolutely. Cannot. 100%. Where does Rent fall in this? Rent. Uh, when was that written originally? Late I mean, 90s? I think that it takes place in the 80s because, right? Isn't it during like the height of the AIDS epidemic? I don't know if it's AIDS or- uh, 80s, 80s 90s. Or 90s yeah definitely then right i'm thinking of when it was actually when it came out and i'm thinking of when i was exposed to it and listened to it i thought the songs were good okay um yeah i didn't see any of the movies though because once i hit a certain age i'm like wait so these guys are squatting in a building and the guy wants them to pay the rent seems fair so i couldn't identify with this protagonists anymore <laughs> like i'm sorry i reached an age i had to hit 30 i'm like oh this is you should pay your rent. Wow. <laughs> I know. Wow. Terrible. So like you must you have lost been in me. your 20s at that point. Right. But yeah. up until then, yo, are you kidding me? Like 18 to yeah. 28? I'm you like, had, yeah, man. You had a lot of rules about yeah. rent. Well, no, time. from 18 to 28, 29, I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm with you guys. Yep. Screw the man. Yeah. Then I'm like, at one point, I'm like, okay, you have to pay to live there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's sure. the thing. These, this is not an unreasonable request. <laughs> I mean, I don't think in those particular buildings anyone was paying. Right. They were old rundown buildings. Right. Right. But they so. were owned by someone. Mm. No, they were. Their friend owns the building. Arguably the someone who doesn't need money. Does that mean that yes. you don't? <laughs> uh-huh. Again, this is what my problem with the, the movie slash show. Right. Yeah. Present day. I, will, I couldn't go back and rewatch that. I won't. Right. Present day. So musicals under no circumstance can take place in present day. Mm. And I still haven't quite landed on at what point that shift happens because mm. there aren't a lot of musicals. I mean, we've never seen like nine to five, although you liked mm. Book of Mormon. Love Book of Mormon. And that was contemporary. It was. So this is the thing. It's like it. it Here's why, though. Okay. It, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. And, and totally it, like, wildly inappropriate. It, it both didn't take itself seriously at all. Right. And it took itself so seriously as a musical. Like these musical numbers were just so silly. And like they they were just hilarious. And mm-hmm. because of like how Volker and, you know. Yes. Crass they were. <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah. So like in that regard, they didn't take themselves seriously. But on the other end, when it was like they are really well-written numbers Mm -hmm. musical numbers like the trey parker matt stone clearly love this format and took it seriously and it's like if you want to make fun of something like you have to love it like if you want to spoof it you have to love it then you can really do it justice so like these numbers were great they're also hilarious Mm -hmm. so 
Yeah, yeah that's, okay. a, that's a loophole. So that one stands out and doesn't, you know, kind of track with the rest of the, you know, right now I'm teetering on like the f- 60s and before. And it seems to be that like the older the musical is in time frame, not when the musical was produced, okay. but when, you know, like what time was- it is in the musical, uh, the more you enjoy it. Yes. And and that completely obliterates any enjoyment around La La Land. I also had high hopes for that movie too. You did. Because I was remember reading about it mm-hmm. and thinking cuz I don't dislike Ryan Gosling. No, he's great. Yeah. Emma Stone. Totally great adorable. Too. Right. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And then like reading about it thinking like, "Oh, this is like return to like classic hollywood yeah hollywood like in the 50s and like productions and like movies that way i'm like oh that's fun and then that first number where they're on the freeway I'm like Ugh. yeah and then it was just about two narcissists yeah who i couldn't like i didn't like either of them and i didn't we, i saw it once didn't like it yeah i was disappointed mm-hmm. you're right so if it takes place present day not a fan i guess like so like it, if it takes place t- I guess the Kennedy administration is just that's as far, when everything went south. As far with, as it can go, it can, with, can't go uh, past that. With any kind of storytelling, if it takes place during Johnson administration. Okay. I'm like, no way. All right, and and then lately we've been testing this theory with really old musicals. Yeah. Oh, I love the old ones. Um, really old. And the and then like the hilarity, just because. Oh my god. I mean, honestly, I got to say, I had forgotten about so much of Mary Poppins until we watched that mm, last night. Yeah, we watched this last night. It was great timing. I mean, like, I... Sure, the story, the characters, the general plot, I know all the music for right. the most you part. Know the songs, yeah. But listening to the actual lyrics of yeah. these songs, oh, yeah. I was dying. It's was so funny. Hilarious. It was so hilarious. Well, and that, that was made in the 60s, I think 64. It was made in the 60s, but it took place in 1910. Right. Which oh, was also... So wait, that this totally under, undermines my previous statement of needing to take place... Oh, I guess if it was written... I mean, I guess what I'm saying, the Kennedy administration is the line. But that's when it was created, not when it, not the setting. So, right. Okay, so we're fine. Yep. <sighs> yep. Close one. Got like it. if it's created today, if a musical yep. is created today... It has to take place. Can't take place any later. Prior to the 60s. Prior to the 60s. Yep. Like that's totally. the cutoff. Yep. Um, and I remember. Because. Here's my. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, because when West Side Story, the original West Side Story initially came out, that was more contemporary. Right. Because it was also the 60s. Because it was right? it. Well, yeah. Late 50s, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and. You know, the the old movie had so much just awful components to it. And I was so hopeful about this new version. And I really enjoyed it. Like, I I know that it's not considered a successful musical or box office or blah, blah, blah. I don't care or pay attention to any of that crap. <laughs> I'm like, did I like this? Yes. Uh, and I think that it was done so well. And I think that the actors were for the most part, really, really great. I mean, 
I think anybody could have played Tony and like, you know, I wasn't like blown away Same. by his acting. Yeah. Was, you know, was... and it did. There were parts about the new musical that explained so many more things about Tony's character. So I, I appreciated that because it was like, how on earth do we go from this, you know, really sweet, uh, kind and caring and compassionate young man to like, seconds later he's murdering someone like i just it never made any sense with any other part of these characters right that's a big leap to take without any backstory yeah i mean like fighting sure like i get that getting into you know brawls or whatever gang related fisticuffs gang related snapping of fingers and dancing (laughs) definitely i can buy into that it was the this young man who works in a little store and seems kind of sensitive and sweet instantly goes to murder. Like, yeah. Yeah. that's a very big jump. It's yeah. a very big character jump. And I think that Spielberg's version did a, a much, much better job of that. Yeah, um, it filled in some gaps to make you think, to make it more believable that <laughs> that could happen. Yes. That he might do something like that. Yes. Um, OG West Side Story, 1961. Okay, yep. So there's that. Yeah, I was thinking earlier today that like as far as the new one tony meh was fine mm-hmm. like you said anyone could pay tony um maria was amazing she was amazing She's fantastic yeah yeah and and then so so there's like the the watching the musicals that are being produced today as long as they hit that requirement of yep. taking place prior to the kennedy administration and then there's watching musicals made in I don't even, I want to say that it was the 40s or 50s, Brigadoon. Oh, that was amazing. (laughs) Brigadoon is such a random musical that I had definitely read scripts of Brigadoon before and had, you know, well, whenever you're in drama club. Join us next week when we finish our discussion about musicals starting with Brigadoon. For Jeannie, this is Matt, and mutual victory. Thank you. <laughs>